MLS Aces episode 179. This is your host, Tom Sweezy. I am joined by one man and one man only tonight, and maybe not even having the full attention because I think you just started Ted Lasso. Jason, how are you? I mean, this is my third time watching it. <laughs> so, yeah. Never. You're into it. No, yeah, I love that show, but my roommate has never seen it. So I was showing him, and we watched like we're on episode eight, and I think we started last night. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm doing well. I mean, it's we're getting really close on the season here. So, so Excited. first of all, I've never seen Ted Lasso, so I need you to sell me on Ted Lasso and give me like a thirty second elevator pitch on Ted Lasso. I don't even need thirty. Just watch the fucking show. It's like one of the <laughs> best shows of all time. Like it's it's straight like one of the best shows you'll ever watch. The main reason why I want to watch the show, show is because I keep on seeing a bunch of people get these boxes on Twitter and they keep on posting them on Twitter. Oh, I guess those it's are like so cool. I want it's one like the boxes. sign that that Jason Sudeikis smacks, and then yeah. it's like a jersey and all of that. I want a box, so I just want to watch the show to get a box. It's pr- like I feel like everyone who watches it's like ah, I got this in the mail. I didn't get a box. <laughs> so you got to start tagging <laughs> the show on Twitter, man. <laughs> True. Hello, uh, AFC Richmond. <laughs> Please send me a box. See, they're the Greyhounds. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I'm learning. I'm learning. All right. This is not going to be an entire show about Ted Lasso, even though you guys I mean, we probably could. we. I mean, I couldn't. You could. That's fine. You guys <laughs> probably would enjoy that. Um, but this is episode 179, like I did mention before, brought to you guys by Added Time Outfitters. If you guys know Added Time Outfitters, they create some awesome soccer-inspired wristbands. Head over to AddedTimeOutfitters.com. Use promo code MLSACES. Get 20% off your order. Get a nice discount. Get yourself a gift, man. That's it. That's all you got to do is just go website, use promo code MLSACES. Get yourself a gift. Help us out. Help them out. Help yourself out. It's a nice big circle. Jason, yeah. you are here. Sam and Vaughn, they are not with us tonight. Um, both not feeling too well. I think, uh, yes, definitely miss them. I think, uh, <laughs> you know, both dealing with some things. I want to say congrats to Sam. I know uh, Sam is moving on to another brewery in his local area. So congratulations on the career move to you, sir, oh, Uncle shit. Daddy Sam Nelson. Um, you guys want to follow beer. us? <laughs> Everyone who listens to this, tag Sam in a tweet and say, send me beer. And if you do, then you'll be entered to win beer, potentially. I don't really know how you can can send beer. You just, like, force Sam into sending beer to (laughs) random people. Sam, I know you just got this new job, man. And you probably would get in trouble for sending beer out. But just do it. It's fine. Yeah, just come on, send beer. You guys want to know where to follow Sam, where to follow us, you can go to MLSAces.com, check out our bios, check out some blogs. We have a fun March Madness thing going on. It's wrapping up. I think we have two rounds left. We're on to the final four, and voting for the final four should be up um, today if you're watching live, if you're not I mean, watching we're live. We're not biased at all. We don't want one person. No, win, no, so. no, yeah, totally we're, not. We're very unbiased people in this. Um there's definitely not a clear number one option, though. No, Jason has not been pushing any type of small an- furry animal hard within this yeah, entire Yes, some of the most cutest animal in the, in the entire world. Um, you some might, might call them vermin. I mean, some I don't know. Some would be wrong. 
they're they're beautiful creatures that sometimes pick on some garbage. You know, they're just trying to clean up the world. If you guys want to see more about that, go to MLSAces.com. Check out the March Madness blog going on. You can also, you know, see some of the banter on Twitter at MLSAces, at Jason Vivang, Instagram, MLS underscore Aces. You know all of that. Last little bit of kind of just cleanup before we get to the the, uh, actual soccer talk, right? You guys want to support us, support the show, support Jason's um, Ted Lasso addiction, then you can head over to patreon.com slash MLS aces and you can uh, become an ace hole. You guys can get into our Slack chat and a bunch of other awesome kind of perks that come along with it. So definitely head over to patreon.com and uh, do that for us and do that for yourself and do it for everyone within the soccer community. Now, the soccer community this week um, definitely had its ups and its downs, had its <laughs> positives and its negatives. And some people, may, some people may say we focus on the negatives too much. Some people say we may focus on the negatives not not at all. I mean, really, it's just been a span of angry tweets that I feel like have been thrown around soccer Twitter. So let's start it's with the positive. A, it's been a week. It's been a week. Let's just say that. <laughs> You know, I think the uh, the COVID madness and COVID kind of quarantining, everyone staying indoors, is really hitting some people. Um, yeah, maybe some, on that. some some current and former U.S. men's national team stars. Um, but yeah, it's fine. I say what? we start I positive. <laughs> I say we start positive. One of these current U.S. men's national team stars uh, told us that we need to be more positive. So I think we should start with that, right? U.S. men's national team. They did. Uh, play a, a friendly this week up against Northern Ireland. We did win 2-1. We got a Gio Reina opening goal in the 30th minute. Christian Pulisic drew and put away a penalty kick in the 59th. Yeah, Northern Ireland got one back. It wasn't the best type of clearance from Tim Ream, Matt Miazga. Maybe you want to blame Chris Richards a little bit. I blame Ream and Miazga a little bit more. We're but focused on the positive. <laughs> but there is one thing about this game. I know we don't want to touch too heavy on it. It was cool. Nice little buildup off of the Jamaica win as well. But I know there was something you wanted to mention in this game. Yeah, but I will first say that Soccer Noob USA said uh, put away is almost too strong way to put that PK. Um, but, hey, it went in the back of the net. So I'm going to say it's pretty it's pretty solid. Um, you know what? You know what? I want to – he did it, Okay. I Did came on this that? show. Yes. It, I came goal? on this yes. show and I said that Christian Pulisic has hasn't really scored, has never scored for the US men's national team outside of a bunch of just CONCACAF easy freebies. And he did it. And I don't know if Northern Ireland's that much of an upgrade, but they're better than the Cayman Islands, and Canada definitely can can <laughs> make sure that that's true. Did it kind of across the line? Yeah. Was it definitely <laughs> savable? Yeah. But it hit the net, so. It, it counts. Um, it all counts. <laughs> but, yeah, the biggest takeaway for me from this game was the, you know, a new formation, um, which we saw in the 3-4-3. We had three center backs, um, and then you had um, – Anthony Robinson and Sergino Des kind of as your wingbacks. Mm-hmm. And I found that to just be like really like if we're going to talk about positives, that to me is like the biggest thing because for a long time, I felt like there's very little um, flexibility with the national team. And that can kind of run us into a wall at times. You run up into an opponent that maybe you, your one formation is just they They know what you're going to bring And this at least, 
gives us a second option. I also think that Dest and Anthony Robinson are great going forward. Obviously, yeah. Dest is phenomenal going forward. That like everybody knows that, right? Um, so these are roles that can suit those guys a little bit better to be able to push forward a little bit more and have that basis of three center backs behind them where there's less pressure and more creativity going forward in the attack, um, which just, in my opinion, opens up a lot. And you could say, oh, you only won two, one. But, like, this was, like, the first time we've seen that, right? So yeah. this this is definitely, like, a stepping stone where I really, really hope that this wasn't a one-time thing and it wasn't, uh, hey, let's just try it out, which I don't think it would be, but I really hope we see this more because I think it can turn into like a second identity where in games where we're struggling, it's like, hey, we'll just flip to this or in a game where we're planning for a bigger game um, and you know, Greg wants to flip things up, he can and still be confident that we'll succeed in the game. And there's a lot of depth at center back, so I think it's a, having three is great, especially with the fact that not all of our wingbacks are the best defenders, to put it lightly. So, I I liked it, right? I like the ability to be versatile with the U.S. men's national team because that's not something that, like you said, we always see. I think this is either the first or second time we've seen Greg Berhalter try to run any what at anywhere of a three four three or anything with a three man back, right? Um, I liked it because there's constantly the point out there that when you're playing CONCACAF competition, whether it's in Gold Cup, whether it's in Nations League, whether you're in World Cup qualifying, whatever it may be, you're playing a bunch of different teams that throw a lot at you in different types of environments. You have to be versatile in those environments, and that means the players you throw out there, that means the way you're playing has to be versatile as well. And especially with the amount of games that we're going to be playing this summer, it's going to be a different group, every single competition, different starting 11s, different guys working together who may not have always started together. And the ability for us to come out in a 4-4-2, the ability for us to come out in a 4-3-3, a 3-4-3, a 3-5-2, whatever it may be, is what we have to do to succeed to come out of games against Costa Rica, Mexico, Jamaica, Canada, and the whole lot. I liked it. Guys were good. It was cool seeing Daryl DK. DK had two clear-cut chances. I really yeah. wished he finished off. Um, but I'll, I'll give him. A, I'll cut him a little slack as uh, Soccer Noob USA is saying that Northern Ireland's in the low 40s in FIFA ranking. So again, better than some <laughs> Concacaf competition. Um, but look, at the end of the day, I like the game. A wins and win. win. <laughs> two wins in a week too, coming yeah. off the Jamaica win as well. So you can't complain too much. Uh, Triple G is continuing to hold up his end of the bargain, kind of with where the senior team is at. <laughs> They're us, but Taylor. <laughs> let's 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 move from the senior team. Let's remember, Jason. Positivity is what we need to keep in mind. Positivity, all right here. Send it. <laughs> the, the, the the US U twenty threes failed to qualify oh. for 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 the Olympics for the third straight qualification cycle after a two one loss to Honduras's U twenty threes. Obviously, USA, uh, I think since the last time we spoke on this podcast, they ended up finishing second in the group uh, with two wins against the DR in Costa Rica and a loss to Mexico. That was a respectable loss. We felt pretty good. No, but we felt pretty good. We were feeling good. And, you know, I think I I came on here and 
Maybe I am part of the uh, the cocky mindset. Uh, I can't think of the word. Cocky is not the right word, but it's been thrown around. Arrogant. Arrogant was the word that's been thrown around. Overly confident, maybe. I don't know. I think arrogant is is pretty. Arrogant is a word, but it's kind of a mean (laughs) word. So I didn't want to call you arrogant. (laughs) I think last episode I was being a little arrogant and saying. If we can perform well against Mexico and we can come out against either Canada or Honduras, who are a worse team than Mexico and us at the U23 level, get a result and go to the Olympics. And I think it was almost the second thought to you, me, and Vaughn on last week, almost. I don't want to speak for you, but I think it was almost like, yeah, we got this. Like, we looked good. Mexico, if we can play well, we got this. We did play well against Mexico, and at the end of the day, we did not. We, we did not get this. Um, we did not another goal, <laughs> we did not got this. A uh, another goal allowed just before the half at halftime in this game. Then just after the half, a goal allowed. Jackson Ewell did his best to kind of come out in the fifty-second minute and score. I don't really want to kind of break down the X's and O's. Anyone who watched the game, anyone who watched the highlights, know the key mistakes. David Ochoa, I'm still a huge fan. Keep the head up, kid. Like, you have a huge career ahead of you. One bad game isn't going to define that. And I guess kind of that's where I want to go is, like, the players in specific. I don't want to call out individual guys, right? I think everyone from a David Ochoa, who we saw from a from a uh, Jesus Ferrara to a Sebastian Saucedo, whoever you want to talk about, at the end of the day, they know what they didn't achieve at the end of this competition, at the end of this tournament. I guess when you're looking at this failure to, to make the Olympics, who do you blame? There, there's a bunch of parties here going on, right? There's USSF, there's Jason Christ, the players, Triple G, there's, there's everyone, right? When you're looking at this, who do you blame most for us again failing to, to make the Olympics? I think it starts with uh, well, now his name escapes me. The technical director that we just had. what's his uh, name? Well, you got you got Ernie Adams as the GM, not Ernie Adams, Ernie Stewart no, as the GM. Ernie Stewart, I think, is the one who I would. <laughs> yeah, Ernie Adams like is the is the guy for the Patriots. I think. <laughs> it's okay. It's been a rough week. Um, to me, I think it's it's. Ernie Stewart is probably who I would blame the most, and I'd probably put Jason Kreiss either at that level or just a tad below. Mm-hmm. I think they're the two that – I mean, USSF is obviously at fault, um, but I think if, like that's so broad. I think you can go to Ernie Stewart, Jason Kreiss. When the team came out – I was talking to you a little bit before we went live um, – I just felt like we, we, even us, like looking at it, we're like, oh, there's some people missing, but it's like a solid roster, right? <clears throat> but, you know, there are a lot of defensive mids in this roster uh, where, like, we maybe could have had some more creative players. I don't need to name a ton of names. There's, there's Where's a couple the center of back depth, you know? <laughs> yeah, there was, uh, I mean, we, we've talked about it. We've talked about our thoughts on that. Um, but I just think there were holes. And we kind of put it back once we started to play and win, win some games. And like you said, we got overly confident, arrogant, however you want to put it. Um, but it's just like Ernie Stewart was literally brought in to be this guy who's really making sure this shit doesn't happen again. Yeah. And it happened again. Yeah. I mean, at a smaller scale, like 
whatever you want to say about World Cup qualifying versus Olympic qualifying, like obviously there's different scales, but it happened. Like you missed out on a major tournament in a major moment where there's a lot of, you know, important games that could be played during that tournament. There's a lot of really good experience to be had as, as a national team where you don't always get to play with these guys. Um, Like there's a reason that like, Look at France, okay? Like, their, their national team, all those guys are just best friends, and they play together, a lot of them do, and they're really successful. Like, Griezmann is really good with France, not as much with Barcelona, and I don't know, maybe there's a reason for that. But when it comes to – I don't know where I just went with this thought, but I'm just going to keep going. It's going um, somewhere. I like it, though. But, like, these games – I just – like. Playing games is the most important thing. And missing out on major tournaments, playing meaningful games is really important. And whether you're at the senior level, U23, U20, U12, like it matters. It it just does. And people are upset and they deserve to be upset because it's upsetting. (laughs) I I, want to jump off that. So first of all, before there's a point I want to get to. First of all, I, I'm I'm with you. I blame Ernie Stewart. I blame uh, Brian McBride, kind of first and foremost because their their jobs were Ernie Stewart legit had a had a position created within U.S. Soccer to be the general manager of, of the men's side of things. I'm pretty sure just the men's side of things. I could be wrong. Yeah. It might be no. I think you're right. I think it is just the men's. But focusing on on the men's side of things here with the with the U23s. He failed at doing his job because I think Jason Christ was hired as a, yeah, we have enough talent. Jason Christ, fine. We'll hire him. He can do fine, and we'll be fine with this team. I don't think there was enough time and energy and care put into thinking about the U23 level, especially with a Olympic qualifying summer going on. <laughs> And at the end of the day, Jason Christ, sure, the guy won an MLS Cup with RSL back in MLS 1.5 or whatever the fuck you want to call it at that point. (laughs) And then was shit. We saw – I've seen Jason Christ single-handedly fail with an expansion team at NYCFC. You saw him fail when he was the head coach at Orlando. You saw him fail – Everywhere he's gone since he's had his success with RSL. Now, I know a lot of former players will talk a lot of positive things about Jason Christ, and that's fantastic, but we haven't seen much positivity from the guy in a long, long time. So I blame Ernie Stewart. I blame Brian McBride. I blame Jason Christ. I think a little bit of blame also has to go to Greg Berhalter, right? Because Christ is Burhalter's like one of Burhalter's right-hand guys, correct? You know, Burhalter's working with Christ, focusing on the how we want to play, all of that. So not that Greg Burhalter has decisions. I mean, I'm sure he has input he's, on he's roster not decisions. Making, like, he's not making like those really fine decisions and stuff, yes. but he deserves blame because he's part of this organization. He has yeah. a say. As the senior team head manager, like you – Dictate. If he said, "Hey, bring this guy in," they would bring you him dictate in. Dictate all the way down. Exactly. Yeah. And so if he said, "He said, I want Jeremy Obobasi," he'd be there. Exactly. That, so, and like things like that, it does fall on him a little bit. 
And I know Christ came out and commented that, you know, from an outside's point of view, you see, and I think this was strictly focused on Abobasi and Williamson, where it's like you see guys on paper or for their club team play really well, but they come into a certain camp, maybe out of shape, or they come into certain camps and they don't fit what the system is trying to do and they don't perform the same way. Sure, that's fair. That's fine. But you can't tell me that a guy like Williamson or a guy like Abobasi wouldn't be useful in that game against Mexico, in that game against Honduras. I'm a fan of, like, obviously in this situation, like, our Pulisic, McKenney, like they're not going to be there, right? Those guys not going to be the best, like. But I think Abobasi, Williamson, even Cole Bassett, mm-hmm. like those are guys that could have really helped, and are people who should have been there. Like, I I think they're they're pretty like they're pretty high up in terms of skill level at for their age and this U twenty three team. They should have been there, and exactly. they they could have been used in why are we not bringing them? I like, sure. You could say, Oh, maybe the style didn't fit, but I'm a big fan of having people who have proven themselves many times always. And I just think that the, the way the roster is still structured doesn't really make sense to his comments of fit as well, because you have a lot of guys doing a lot of the similar things. And then you have a lot of lack of depth for a tournament at certain positions as well. well so we tried to say like, Oh, we, we brought like, like specifically the midfield was versatile or I don't know what exact words he said, but yeah, he's like, guys who can do a lot of different things. Like, yeah. But I was like, we all looked at this roster and we're like, there's a lot of number sixes. Yeah. No, hundred like, percent. A lot of sixes. Without really a lot that of- much thought. I looked at the roster. I was like, huh? Like really, this is it. How many times did we see a midfield of Johnny? Andres Perea and Mihailovic. That's two sixes and a 10 potential left winger. And you're playing Johnny playing in front of Perea. Okay. Johnny, first of all, did not have a great tournament. And Perea had a decent tournament. Mihailovic was the most creative player we had on the field. And it just, it, nothing seemed to. To mesh, nothing seemed to work, and I think some of the substitute decisions were also were also interesting. But I kind of, I think we can both you, agree. Sorry, go for it. What do you want to say? If you look at like, I just wanted to go off your sub thing because yeah. if you look at like the timelines in each of these games, it's just to me, I was like, there really isn't a lot of structure. It just felt random. Yeah. And I don't know if, if that's just me looking at these and being like trying to pull something from it. But to me, it was just like, it, it doesn't feel like if he had this system and that's why he brought in specific players, then why does it sort of feel like random, these substitutions, the timing of them, who's being subbed for who? It, it's just weird. It was weird to me. Yeah. And I think a perfect example of that is in Honduras when... We're down. We need some offensive kind of enforcement coming off the bench. And he looked at the bench and who do we have? You know, <laughs> we, we're, we're rocking with three wingers and two strikers. And none of them really were, were that productive at the end of the day from Ferrara to Soto to Saucedo to, to Lewis to Benji Michelle. None of them really did much. All of our goals, most of them came from fucking Jackson Ewell. Like, <laughs> Jackson Ewell had a fantastic tournament. Sam Vines had a fantastic tournament. Justin Glad, fantastic Sam tournament. Sam Vines. Love Sam Vines. <laughs> We're on that train. We're t- it's but, taken off. 
But, but those five forwards that I just named, what did they do? Jesus Ferrara had the goal against the, um, the, the Costa Rica. Cool. Thanks. He had a shitty DR game, and he came on late against Mexico, didn't do anything. It's like I understand. But I think that- part of this is just coaching, which goes back to what you are saying before. It's like, are we really looking at these coaches in the right way, like hiring process? Like is even JC, Greg is wasn't – the Burt perfect is he the perfect fit for a U23 level coaching fit? Tab Rom perfect is for U12. <laughs> Maybe the U12 level. <laughs> I don't know. But Tab Ramos was a dude who we saw work with youngsters at the US level and, and and had success, right? Being able to adapt, being able to work to players' strengths. I think yeah. Tab Ramos is a perfect guy. I'm happy he's with Houston. I'm happy he's getting his his senior team shot. But we need a guy like Tab Ramos to be able to to work with these guys, make yeah. smarter decisions tactically as well, I think. But I want to transition to the player side of things, and I think the players deserve the least amount of blame. They still deserve blame, and I think they'll be the first, pe- first people to tell you that. Um, I think they're but- also the most likely to put blame on themselves, if that makes sense. like I so- feel like players, when they fail – not everyone, but I, to me, it seems like they're like more broken up about it, or like, yeah. an, like annoyed, or yeah. I don't know what the right word is. But I think the players, while they do deserve blame, like you're saying, I do think it also is the least. But they're more likely to at least be like resentful towards what happened mm-hmm. and and admit fault. Like, oh man, like. Maybe I could have done this better. And hopefully they do do that because that's how you learn, right? Exactly. I I was speaking with three players who all around the same age group, one that was in this camp, one that was in this roster. Uh, so one that was in this roster, one that was called into this roster, but due to club restraints and just timing of everything, couldn't make it to the to the the tournament and then one guy who around the age range has played with a lot of these guys all three of them said that they were heartbroken well the two who weren't there said they were heartbroken for the dudes in that locker room because they know how much they care they know how much effort and work they put in and at the end of the day they wished that they were there to give the squad just that little bit more energy and a little bit more boost to to get the end result right and then the one that was there, first thing out of uh, out of his mouth was an apology, and it was like, "I don't be sorry, like I be, I'm sorry to you, like I'm sorry, like you know, like you had to go through that type of deal." But at the end of the day, I think you're right. These players are kind of blaming themselves. Even the guys who weren't there are blaming themselves, and I'm sure there's a little bit or a part of them that's like, "I wish that we did qualify for the Olympics because the dudes who would be playing in the Olympics." probably different than some of these dudes playing in the Olympic qualifying roster as well. So yeah, a lot to that there. Um, I just mainly kind of want to talk about that to let the players know if any player ever happens to catch this, that like, yes, we pod. know <laughs> you're all friends of the player that you're going to blame yourself. We get that. And I respect that to a whole other level. And yeah, you deserve some blame. You didn't get the job done, but there's, there's a bigger picture going on, and with 
not making any excuses that I've been seeing all over the internet of our best U23 guys at the senior level. And this was a D team and, you know, all this shit. I'm not going with excuses. There's people to blame, players to blame, coaches to blame, technical staff within U.S. soccer to blame. And that's it. We failed. We failed. Woohoo. It's always fun to come on here. I feel like the last time we, we ta- I had this conversation was when we failed yeah. to, to qualify for the World Cup. The one thing about like the big excuses debate that I feel like I'm on potentially the wrong side of, so I want you to hear me out. Mm-hmm. I feel like we have failed. This is true. Like, like we failed, you know, there's a lot to blame. This shitty management. It goes like, we just talked about this whole conversation. That's true. But on the same side of it, like, it's also true that there could be better players in this team. Yes. And I don't, I don't it feel like true. you, I don't feel like saying that is necessarily an excuse unless you're, I don't really know how to put it, but like, it's not just black and white. It's not like, Oh, this is true. And this is false. It's like both can be true and both are true. In my opinion. I, and I agree with that. Look, I think that, <laughs> I think there's yes, a bigger debate about it. Like on Twitter, which I'm like, but it's, True. Like both are true. <laughs> like we, we fucked had, up, but we also if, had other players. If we had our best U23 players playing in Olympic qualifying, we would have the best team within yeah. that tournament. And again, it's a hypothetical world. Does our best team fail once again, right? Does our best team <laughs> still not make the Olympics? That's a possibility. You know, at the end of the day, that is a realistic Well, there's also like the point that like, it's really uncommon for people like Weston McKennie and Pulisic. Yeah. Yeah. Like those in deaths, like it's, it wasn't, it's not surprising to not see them in these teams, which is like, they they played the same day with the senior team, which is probably better. Like better. This is what we want them to be doing. So, so yes, I want to go into that. Yes. We had our D squad out there. Should our D squad have still qualified for the Olympics? Probably, I think we have enough talent and enough guys playing first team minutes within a good league to still qualify for the Olympics. That's done, dusted. Does not making the Olympics actually matter if our most talented players are playing at the senior team level, bonding, gelling, like you said with France, becoming best friends because we see those relationships and we see those connections made. I uh, am seeing people say that not making the Olympics doesn't matter. It, no one cares about the Olympics. Doing well in the Olympics does not translate to doing well to a senior team level. I get all of that, but I still think there's a larger picture. And you tell me if you if you tell me if I, if you think I'm wrong here. Some of these guys may never get a chance to ever play for the U.S. men's national team. Some of these guys, this is probably the last time we're going to see them in a red, white, and blue jersey. And you can think of those players. I'm not going to say it. you can think of those players. <laughs> this tournament would have been important to show one, I think the depth of the U S men's national team Two, to get these guys, maybe potentially their only important games for a U.S. men's national team in a, in a tournament three to give them a chance to showcase their skill on a, on a world stage. And I think four to just continue the, the culture that we're trying to build from the top down within a major tournament. Yes. The Olympics, is doesn't matter sure compared to the gold cup or compared to the world cup or you know confederations cup or whatever you want to talk about but it still matters to these guys it still matters to 
these U14 players coming up and viewing these dudes at the U23 level of, I want to be there one day. It matters from a whole structural top-down point of view, in my opinion. Yes, the, the results of the Olympics don't matter, but there's messages behind that that I think matter. Yeah, I, I think I do agree. Like, so sure, you could say, you know, this isn't even a senior competition. It's a U23 team. Um, <clears throat> you could say, you know, the Olympics, like you said, the result isn't a huge, like, hey, if we won a gold medal, would it be awesome? Of course. It, like, yeah. would the country really get behind that? I think so. Um, but, you know, if you get to the Olympics and you get bronze or fourth or fifth, like it's, it's about, like you said, it's about being there and showing and, and it kind of goes back to what I said before in terms of like more meaningful games. And, and you could say, if it doesn't matter, maybe they aren't meaningful, but to these guys, like you said, to these guys, it is meaningful and it builds this, you know, like you, like basically I'm just going to reiterate what you said because you said it pretty well, but like the culture just like, from top down needs to be on the same level, right? Like you said, U14s, they need to see the U20s, the U23s, and the senior team all competing at the highest level as hard as they can, no matter the game. It could be a friendly for all I care. But I think every game really does matter because whether you're playing for a, a bigger competition or playing for nothing, there's always this, there's never, you're not actually ever playing for nothing, right? Because you are bonding with your teammates. You are learning how these guys play. You are building a, a, a tactical like style. Um, you're building a trust within the system and an identity. Like, like the whole thing would have an identity where these kids who come in at the way young levels are seeing that identity from the top down and you have, you know, that it's so easy. It's like a, a kid who starts at U14 goes, moves up, moves up, moves yeah. up. Eventually he's playing at the a senior team. Boom. There you are. Like this kid has been there from when he was, you know, 10. Exactly. And I want to kind of close off this conversation with this comment from soccer, noob USA been very chatty over here in the comments. I like it. He said, every yeah, level like, of, like your third member, <laughs> every level of the U S men's national team needs a winning culture, qualifying for stuff, be better than Mexico climb world rankings. Exactly. I think kind of your point, Jason, better. our points, just, we need to create a culture of winning because yes, maybe we're getting arrogant with the hype around these players that we have and the, the idea behind what could happen um, within these players and we're not actually getting results. We haven't won shit. We haven't won shit. Let's go win Nations League. Let's go win a Gold Cup. Let's focus on winning stuff before we can even think about 2022, 2026, anything. That's another thing. It's like, why are we arrogant? Like, when you say we haven't won anything. It's like, what do we no. have to be arrogant about? It's like, we, we've not been that good. In a very shitty transition, because I think this lays over into the big Twitter beef of the week. And <laughs> I know you have a, uh, a, a maybe lack of opinion on this. So I'm going to go with my opinion and you let me know what it is. If you're watching this, if you're listening to this, you definitely know what we're kind of referring to. And what we joked about in the beginning of the episode, Josie out the door, just fucking taking shots 
at, at Taylor Twelman, at Bobby Warsaw, at, at everyone, I feel like. So I'm not going to go on here and I'm not going to retweet for tweet. Jason, I kind of just threw the tweets up in here for, for reference for, for you and me. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. But it was a tweet out of nowhere that it was, I guess it was some video of somewhere, I think up in Canada, talking about how Taylor Twelman, you know, was saying that it's unacceptable. He was pissed off. He was angry that we failed again from failing to make the World Cup to now failing to make the Olympics, what we just talked about. Josie Altador quote tweets that, and this is the only tweet I'm going to read. And he said, Taylor Twelman's national team career was laughable. Beasley should be the analyst or Mia Hamm. Twelman needs to be on extra time radio with Bobby Warsaw. He's a white boy with connects. Stop giving him a platform. <laughs> Just a lot, a lot to break down there. His second tweet that he put out, I think, was way more of what he was trying to say. It's definitely one of those moments where it's like, you tweeted something angry. You said something angry. You went for a 10-minute walk. You came back, and it was like, I'm cool. Now let me kind of explain what I was what I was talking about. I think there's a lot here to kind of unfold. I think the old U.S. men's national team, the Bradleys, Dempsey's, Josie's, that group, right, I think maybe they're feeling a little salty about the hype, about the excitement, about the positivity that – this new group is getting the the Christians, the Westons, the Serginios, all of them, and that their legacy is going to be known as the group that failed to make the World Cup, and that was it, right? I think that is a big point of this. I think Josie, especially as a guy who is a U.S. men's national team legend, and I will always defend Josie for that. He has had an, an amazing career. He's won competitions overseas. He's won competitions here in the United States. He's won a gold cup for the U.S. men's national team, top 10 all-time in appearances, top three all-time in goals scored. Josie has been an unbelievable player in his career. Yes, he has his faults, but so does every other player, right? He has his injury things that came up. So did Taylor Twelman. But I'm not getting into that, Josie. I'm not getting into that. I think Josie wants to be recognized as a legend, and I think a lot of the shit that he got, that Bradley got, that a lot of these guys got after we failed to make the World Cup bothers him and bothers probably Bradley and just as much all of the alike. And I think that he's right. I think that a lot of the times when we fail to do something as a soccer country, all we do is shit on it. We reference back not making the World Cup. We reference these old guys who aren't doing anything and we just kind of focus on the next new players, the exciting young fresh toys that kind of come in. And maybe that's unfair. Josie out the door. I will give you the credit and I'm not like patronizing him. I'm not patronizing it. I'm just saying he's an absolute role model. He's a role model for being a black man in a sport that doesn't always represent the African-American community for, you know, the Caribbean community as well. I know he has Haitian ties. Um, but the absolute just side shot that Taylor Twelman and Bobby Warsaw got in this whole chain is absolutely just out of nowhere. For Josie Outdoor to come at Taylor Twelman to say your national team was laugh national team career was laughable, the dude had to retire early because of concussion issues, and Taylor Twelman was on an absolute scoring spree between club and country when he when he was a player. Taylor Twelman is a fantastic soccer player. And he is probably the largest media person we have in U.S. soccer, right? Like, 
thinking brilliant scheme. We don't really have many. I think someone uh, was texting me today about it. U.S. soccer is a very small bubble. Taylor Twelman's probably <laughs> the biggest name within that bubble. I, next is Matt Doyle. Like I don't know. <laughs> like I don't know who I would throw in next as top tier. These are the, the cooligans. <laughs> yeah, like right, like the cooligans. Total soccer show. Total extra yeah. time. It's it, it's Taylor Twelman, and I think that's why Alexi Lalas. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I think. Sometimes it's almost like we forget that we're such a niche thing and that, yeah, we see Alexi Lawless, uh, Taylor Twelman, maybe Stu Holden, maybe what Tim Howard's now doing with the Premier League. Like these guys represent us and maybe Josie just didn't feel represented. Maybe Josie just didn't feel respected. And I don't know. It's, it's mixed feelings. I just don't think TT and Warsaw deserve the side swipes that they got <laughs> in this whole in this whole thing. I think Josie feeling a little salty, feeling a little sensitive. I get it, but it's like someone maybe go maybe someone should be like, "Go, oh, Josie, take a walk before you tweet something else next time." I get it, but just take a quick walk, bro. Yeah, I really like how you framed it in terms of like. I, I mean, we don't know, right, what he's really thinking. But the fact, like, they did fail to qualify for the World Cup, and we just talked about how the players are usually the first people to really admit fault and really feel that guilt. And, I mean, like you said, we're, we're a small community. They hear all, all our shit talking. Um, and, it was, and it was loud after that in, in Trinidad. Yeah. And so... I do really th- like that MLS season where, you know, there, there were signs and they were being booed everywhere. They yeah. went. like, there's no way that didn't hurt them a little bit because they gave so much of their careers to, to the U S and they tried their best. In US they are, they, they, they legitimately are. And you're right about the fact that they will always be that little asterisk that a lot of people will say, it's like, Hey, yeah, Josie. Oh, He's he didn't qualify. Like he'll be in that conversation, and it it sucks because I mean you just listed his stats and everything he's accomplished is incredible. And I mean, I was at that Gold Cup game. Um, <laughs> it was awesome, and it was it's a great feeling. But like these guys really are legends, yeah. and the Josies and the Bradleys, I feel like are a little bit tier below, like Dempsey and. Donovan, especially because like those guys were a little bit further out, right? I mean, mm-hmm. even yeah, Tim yeah. Howard doesn't get as much. It, it's really a lot on Josie and Bradley. If I were to to pinpoint, they were maybe, the two old Omar Gonzalez, maybe. Um, yeah, but no one, no one. I, Josie out the door. Michael Bradley are U.S. Men's National Team legends. Omar Gonzalez yeah. is not an, is not a U.S. Men's No, legend. no, but like people who who really <laughs> took the the brunt of. All that yeah, shit, and yes. and it's really Josie and and Bradley who probably feel the m- most shit from it. Yeah. And I think, like you said, it, it does weigh on them, and it's kind of sad, honestly. But something like this, this whole argument just comes off as really petty and unnecessary. And like, yeah. Twelman tweeted back like saying he like to donate and support Josie, and then Josie kind of came back with another. What I thought was like the worst tweet of of the bunch was just that like was this really like the the very last tweet that Josie sent, which is very just 
toxic. Like, like you're not helping anything at that point. You're just making everything worse. And it, and it blew up and is a huge thing on us soccer Twitter, but it's just, I don't know. It, it seems really petty to me and it looks really bad. And, and it seems like most people dumb. were against Josie and I'm not <laughs> saying I agree with what Josie was saying. Well, I think most people are just against Josie for a matter of things, which also and, and probably I, helped fuel this. And I think help. that's, and I think that's it. You hit a point, you hit the point right on the head right there is most people hate Josie because of not making the world cup, because for some odd reason, it's not the team's fault. It's not the lack of games before Trinidad. It's not the head coaching mess. It's not any of that. It's Josie out the door, Michael Bradley. They missed the world cup. It's also, we're judging them on one game. Everyone not- who's really pissed is forgetting years of what these guys did. Exactly. And and everyone then immediately jumps to the the you know the low-hanging fruit of Josie's always hurt before major tournaments. Josie never scored in a World Cup. Josie blah 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 blah. Josie this, Josie that, Josie's a mental case, Josie is this. He's he's a human being. Like at the end of the day, he is a legend of this game. He's a legend of US soccer. He is a fantastic player. And I still stick by my point. He's still our best striker in the pool. I'm always going to say that until, again, someone can beat me to to, to ever saying that no one's far. Exactly. No no one's far and above Josie out the door. But I think the fact that he already has so much hate didn't help him in not getting even more hate on this. Because, yes, Josie, do you deserve some hate for this? Not because of what you were trying to say. Or not because of what you don't deserve, because you do, do deserve praise and you do deserve credit, but because it just came out of absolute nowhere and you made it about something that it wasn't. That's my end take. Yeah, and I just think it's – I think he could have tweeted anything and he'd get hate on his tweets. Like, he could tweet, like, like, like <laughs> what a great – and everyone would be like, fuck you. Like, I'm having a beautiful morning. <laughs> I think I think when yeah. shit like this happens, everyone's like, oh, yeah. this is such a bad argument, blah, 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 gets involved. Yeah. But, like, everyone is partially to blame for this shit happening because there's no way Josie doesn't feel shit for what happened. Like, yeah. and, it's like, we're just saying, like, we've said it repeatedly. Like, the, I think it really is almost all on those two guys. Yeah, and so it just it takes its toll. And I'm sure they've beaten themselves up, like we said about the the Olympics, more than anyone could could tweet at them or say to them. And Taylor Twelman gets paid to to make these takes because, again, for whatever reason it may be, he is the the largest media voice in U.S. soccer and all of that. Right? It it it's a lot. Whatever. We're well, getting a lot just of as times petty too. It's like he's getting paid to spew shit to get clicks like yeah i mean yes at the end of the day i mean good for him like he deserves it but also at the same time it's like if you're gonna do shit like that like stephen a smith like he gets shit all the time yeah and i'm I'm sure i don't think he's i don't think they're on the same level but but it's a it's a same similar kind of thing i'm sure there's private conversations happening and people are trying to reach out to people behind the scenes it's just 
we're just getting just as petty as NBA Twitter, and I love it, but I hate it at the same exact time. Was that a very entertaining I mean, I love afternoon? NBA <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't dislike right. NBA Twitter. That shit is a roller coaster every. And day. that's why if we just get a little bit more petty in MLS Twitter, I'm hat. No, just kidding. I, I mean, I would. <laughs> I I want the pettiness. I just don't want the the absolute just people dumping on other people because that's just not fun to to always see. Certain people, it's fun to see. Yep. Those guys, Josie, Twa- Taylor, Bobby, not fun to see. But let's move on. That was, that was a lot of Josie TT talk. Um, yeah, an, no, update, <laughs> an update to the uh, 2021 U.S. Open Cup that came out this past week. Not going to dive too much into this, I don't think, but pretty much the um, Open Cup in U.S. Soccer announced that they will be skipping, skipping the opening round to the Open Cup that they had initially planned, and they will be going straight to a round of 16. So what that means is instead of 32 teams making the tournament, 16 teams making the tournament, pretty much. Just for 2021, things will go back to normal, hopefully in a non-COVID scenario. Um, MLS teams, eight of them will make the tournament. So half this tournament will be made up of MLS teams. They will be decided based off performances within the first three weeks of the MLS season, which I think is pretty dumb. And Jason, I know you said that you think eight teams coming out of MLS is pretty dumb. Yeah. I yeah, mean, so. there's there's also this, what, random two teams that could also be an MLS team, right? Yeah, so no, no, so it's not. So I'll get to that. So that's oh, the okay. MLS side of things. USL Championship, our Division Two, they are getting four teams to uh, represent in this competition. Phoenix, Tampa Bay, Louisville, and El Paso are all making it. So pretty much the uh, the conference semifinalists from, from last year are making the tournament. Um, then... Two teams will be taken out of our third division, which is a split of USL League One and NISA. So last season's USL League One champion Greenville Triumph for making the tournament. And I think the fall season champion for NISA, I'm not exactly sure how NISA works, but just from what I'm reading, Detroit City FC, they will be the two teams that come out of our third division. And then we have the quote-unquote Open League, which is pretty much non professional division soccer within U.S. soccer. So we have a bunch of different divisions, right? The MPSL, USL League 2, and then a few other major competitions that are non-league pretty much in, in U.S. soccer. There will be four major leagues. So MPSL and USL League 2 are two of those leagues, and there's two other leagues I'm not exactly sure about. Four, those four league winners are all going to go into uh, – a random draw and two of them are going to get pulled for the competition. Pretty fucking stupid, but (laughs) whatever. At the end of the day, this is how the U S open cup is being selected for 2021. Any, any comments, Jason? I'm just trying to, trying to think about how the, the committee who picks and makes this shit up (laughs) figured, Oh, let's just select MLS teams off of the first three weeks of this. Like, was that their first thought? I just with it's just such a hilarious thought. We we what is said that? we said this before. I've said this before, and I don't remember if I said it on the podcast or to you guys privately in the chat or on Twitter or whatever the fuck. Why we have so many competitions going on this year? You have the MLS regular season, then you have Campeones, um, then you have uh, Leagues Cup, you have US Open Cup, you have CCL. I think. CCL teams play in CCL. Obviously, the crew are playing in the in the Campeones Cup. Fine, and they're not going to care about this. Then you have 
League's Cup, whatever teams are you're going to throw in there, that's fine. Anyone else who's not playing in CCL or League's Cup or the Campeones Cup, the top eight teams that are left from last season should be playing in U.S. Open Cup. That's it. Agreed. Should I be think very simple. It. Let's try. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how they didn't think about that. Like, let's just try not to have teams travel more than they need to or wear down players' legs more than they need to. Let's just give teams specific competitions. You play that. Obviously, CCL is the most prestigious. You give them that. You want to push League's Cup as the next best thing because it's MLS teams and Mexican teams. Okay, that that next U.S. Open Cup next. Like, it, just do it. Like, it's it's stupid, but. Whatever, it's also because kind of just arbitrary. Like I assume they pick three weeks because like the fourth week they're starting the tournament or something. Yes. But yes. But it's like, <laughs> so it's just like, oh, just do who, who's the who's good right now? Oh, okay, that they're in. Like what? Just, this just makes no sense. Anyone could be good after three weeks. It could be the shittiest team in MLS. Wooden spoon could be in this shit. It's just the US soccer is having a real, real great week, real great on many fronts. <laughs> Let's finish things up here, Jason, because I forgot to mention in the beginning of the show, after you and I talk is going to be my interview with Eli uh, Lesser from This Week in MLS. Um, If you guys don't know what This Week in MLS is, it started off as an Instagram um, page. He moved to Twitter. He moved to YouTube. He's doing a lot of great things. Eli is an excited, excited, energetic person within the, uh, the MLS community. If you're not following him, Go on Twitter, go on YouTube, go on um, Instagram. Just search This Week in MLS, and you will see his videos. You will see his takes. Great dude. And we're I'm going to try to do more with him moving forward because, honestly, just a fantastic conversation that we had. So definitely stay tuned for that after this. Jason, let's finish things up. Not many MLS moves to talk about. If you, we want from the jump, I know we both want to just mention it really quickly. Inter Miami have a uh, trialist so far leading into the season. Enzo Zidane, um, son of Zidane Zidane, an attacking midfielder who has a ton of experience within the Spanish second division, a little bit in the Swiss and Portuguese first division as well, coming up throughout the uh, the Madrid uh, I guess pipeline. That's just pretty fucking cool. So, tacking on another big name to I know Minnesota United signed Patrick Weya as a homegrown prospect, so cousin to Timothy Weya. So we're just getting a lot of uh, big names joining MLS at a at, at a certain level. Gotta love it. <laughs> <laughs> so outside of that, really only four major moves. Um, I'll just let you kind of pick one. I'll pick one, end the show. We'll go to me and Eli, and that'll be it. So go for for the Uh, move you want to talk about. Yeah, I want to talk about Philly getting Leon Flack or Flack? Flack? I think it's it's Flatch. Flatch? Well, yeah, they got him um, from (laughs) St. Pauli. Yeah, what is that? What? Germany? Yeah, it's the two. They're they're playing two Bundesliga, the second division. Yeah, um, but I really I, – I, after reading into the move a little bit, um, they went after him, it looks like, a year ago. And St. Pauli was like, nah, you can't have him. And then they went back this year, and they were able to work something out and obviously get him. And he is American. I think he was born in Texas. Um, yep. So he's, he's a dual Ger- German-American. So, I mean, obviously, Philly did their research. Philly's a team that at this point I kind of trust when they sign someone that, <laughs> you know, they did do their research and they they've, have made good decisions. Um, 
and he seems like he, he could be a solid piece for them, especially uh, after losing Brendan Aronson. I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to be Brendan Aronson, but he's a 20 year old. He's 20 years old, um, just turned 20. And he, he's not like, I mean, I, I don't have his stats pulled up, but I just think he's, he's going to be a good piece. And it's, and it's a guy who I am excited to see how he, he can play in MLS because coming from the, to Bundesliga, I think it's, I don't know, it's probably a step up to MLS. Uh, I don't watch a lot of Bundesliga, too. But I uh, mean, St. Pauli, right? Like, I know St. Pauli's connections with you at soccer is great. Uh, Leon Fletch, mm -hmm. if I don't remember if you remember this, but like, I remember it was months ago in the middle of COVID when Bundesliga was still playing a little bit. This American kid hit this absolute banger for St. Pauli. And that's this kid. I don't know if anyone yeah. listening remembers that. It was an I've absolute, seen it. it that's I've seen this kid. It. So his only goal scored for St. Pauli's first team was um, was was like that a goal. Forty yarder. Yeah, just an absolute bomb, right? So this kid <laughs> is like not going <laughs> He's not going to be scoring a ton of goals, right? He very versatile, young kid. Like you said, Jason, twenty years old. Primarily, what I know about him is he is a defensive midfielder by trade. He has played a ton of left back as well. Can push up a little bit into the central mid. Can even touch right back. So for a, a good one for him. For a team that could use, you know, left back depth. Obviously, they have Kai Wagner and Matt Real. I get it, but you know, not bad to have a little bit more extra left back depth there. You could have some defensive midfield depth behind Jose. Uh, Martinez, right? He was fantastic last season. Let's bring in this kid to, to give him a little bit of depth. If Jamiro Montero is playing attacking mid, then you could have that diamond of Bedoya and Flatch as well. There's a lot of um, ways that Curtin can throw Flatch into the lineup, and I think that's why this move is fantastic. And, I mean, the fact that he doesn't also take up an international spot also helps as well. Yep. Okay, cool. So Leon Flatch, I think that was probably the most interesting signing from this past week. Um, I guess I am left with talking about Isaac Atanga uh, going to FC Cincinnati. I feel like I'm always left with talking about FC Cincinnati players, and I'm not happy about another it. attacker. Hey, hey. My biggest concern when Cincinnati brought in Brenner was that he wasn't going to have talent around him to produce at the level that I think everyone is associating with his price tag. This is at least a move to say, we know we need people around him to feed Brenner the ball. Let's do that. Let's go get a guy who's been playing in Denmark's first division. He has almost 60 games in Denmark's first division, not that Denmark's first division is like, whoa, but it's still a, a relatively good league, right? A guy who's only 20 years old, a guy who has 12 goals and five assists in 58 games where he's coming well, from and, at Nord. Yeah, last year he has, I think, 10 starts, five goals. So Yeah, exactly. He, 19 he, appearances total, but like it, it seems like he's actually grown, like gotten better. He's a guy who is only getting better. He's a guy who's only just going to add to this winger depth on this team. And you know what? Cincinnati, I give it to them. I give it to them for the lack of production on the field. They, at least fucking, they try. 
They try yeah. and try and try. You have Lucho. You have Brenner. Lacadia should have more pieces around him. Honestly, now. I hope it's successful. I really do. I don't want this team to be to be wooden spoon. I, I really don't. No. So bringing in a Tanga, I don't know how much production you're going to get, but if this kid, can this was start- a move that. Yeah, this was a move. The more I saw, the more I actually liked it. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And the more I read about it, the more I was like, "Oh, okay, this actually seems like a quality move." Apparently, there there's a center back coming in the near future as well before the season starts for Cincinnati. So, I don't know. We'll see. Cincinnati. I think we all have our fingers crossed for you because we want you to be good with that beautiful, <laughs> beautiful new stadium. Um, just kind of quickly, Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati, Dallas. They are selling Tiago Santos. I think I saw a reported fee of around a million bucks for Santos to go back to Brazil and more specifically Gremio in Brazil. And then uh, DC United, they are getting Paul Ariola back on their um, loan from Swansea, the loan being cut short due to injury. So I think Major League Soccer Club... No more loans to Swansea. Never send a player to Swansea ever again. I think that's the the lesson we've learned from this. Jason, before we get to uh, me and Eli breaking down some off-season moves, talking about some exciting things leading into um, the 2021 season, I guess just to... We'll announce that... We're doing season previews next week. We're, we're we're doing Western Conference next week. We're I think all very excited that we actually get to preview and talk about some soccer. 2021 season is so close. If you're watching this live as of the video recording, CCL is five days away. If you're watching this the next day when the podcast drop, it's four days away. So even better. Um, but we're getting so close to soccer. Season previews are coming up next. Anything you want to finish off this episode with? Um, yeah, excited for season previews. Also, thank you, MLS, for updating your website. It's way better now. It's just way better. Thank you. I hate change, but but thank you, yes. Thank you. No, it's way better. It's objectively just a better website. <laughs> so there's like two stories on the front page of the old one. I mean, yes, I, I can maneuver the website better. Um Jason, <laughs> oh, I really don't think you don't have to like get out a little like Sherlock Holmes I didn't think we'd style. talk for an hour, but we did. So <laughs> That's fine. I'm okay with it. So this is, this is how it always goes. Every time we finish up, it's like, oh, was it really an hour? Like what? I thought we were gonna go for like 15 minutes. Shit. Yeah, it's like what? Uh, you said 20 minutes, and here we are two hours later. <laughs> Whatever. Let's end it. Let's end the pain for the listeners. If you're listening to the podcast, stay tuned. Interview with Eli Lesser from this week is MLS is up next. If you're watching this on Twitch, the video is already up. If you're watching this on YouTube, the video is already up. Go check it out. Thanks. Uh, peace out. Plus Aces episode 179. This is your host, Tom Sweezy. I am joined with a very special guest, Eli Lesser, this weekend at the MLS. How are you, man? I am doing great. Wow, 179. That is yeah. insane. Yeah, it's it's been a bit. Um, you know, the whole beginning of MLS Aces was quiet in the beginning, but it's steadily crept up i guess the past few months so it's definitely it's definitely been cool and 179 seems absolutely insane i don't remember talking 178 times so 
<laughs> probably maybe talked like 32 times in my life. So, God. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about your beginning, right? Because MLS is fine and dandy. U.S. men's national team, not really great, not really fine and dandy. But let's talk your beginning. So this week in MLS was something that I guess when I first hopped into Major League Soccer, like Instagram, you were one of, I feel like, the first like 20 follows I had kind of just in, in following Major League Soccer. What was your start? What was your beginning? And kind of what made you get into covering Major League Soccer? Yeah, so I always dreamed of being a sports broadcaster. You know, originally my favorite sport was baseball because that was the best sport um, in terms of me and being an athlete. I'm not the most athletic person, but I was a great baseball player. So I went to a sports broadcasting camp in 2014. I was 14 years old then. And I went in with a gray hoodie and a Dodger hat on. I'm from LA. I'm a big Dodger fan. And I enter the room with all the campers and they're all wearing Dodger hats and gray hoodies. Okay. And I'm like, what is going on here? At first, I was like, this is pretty dope. But then I was like, wait, <laughs> when I found out that there's like a lot of competition in broadcasting, I was like, wait, everyone's just like me. What the hell? <laughs> uh, but throughout the week, I'd always liked soccer. It was never my biggest sport at, at that point. It was mm-hmm. a sport that I did follow. I did follow MLS pretty, pretty decently, but I wasn't like a super fan yet. And no one else was talking about soccer. So I made it my mission to be the soccer guy of that camp. And before I got back to camp that next year, I had started this week in MLS on Instagram. It was inspired by all sports news, the Instagram account that yeah. just was a lot of sport. I used to post like that with like the, the white borders on top and bottom with the text. And yeah. I just post new stuff. And then eventually it became rumors. You know, I realized that was a game I should not have been playing because I also... <laughs> I, I didn't really know how to credit people back then. So I made some enemies then. Um, just like, you know, I'm blocked by MLS buzz on Twitter. I, I've, mm-hmm. I apologize to him, but like I've moved on from that and I, yeah. I would love him. I would love for him to unblock me. Um, but, you know, I, I don't post stuff like that anymore. And I realized during the pandemic and pandemic was a huge shift for me mentality wise. Um, I realized that, Hey, Posting graphics is cool and all, but that's not what I want to do in life. I don't actually like posting graphics. I don't like making graphics. That's not my destiny. So I was like, you know, I just finished my freshman year of college. I learned how to use Premiere. Why not put it to use and put myself in front of a camera? So that's what I started doing. And I started making my IGTV videos um, that I've been posting ever since like the pandemic started. And those have been great for me. No, your your videos have been fantastic. I'm glad you got into the video game because for me, more MLS content is, is always great, right? From whether it be from a video standpoint, a podcast standpoint, a blog, an Instagram account, right? At the end of the day, like I'm always trying to take in as, as much kind of MLS US soccer content as I can. And you've also expanded it over into the YouTube and I've been enjoying, I live on YouTube. I barely watch normal cable TV anymore unless like, you know, a soccer game's on, a sporting event's on, and I live on YouTube, right? So I think that was also a, a very strong move by you. If, if I had to give you any, you know, give you some compliments there. 
I think starting my show on YouTube was the big one. And then the videos yeah. I post on YouTube are just the videos that I post on Instagram. They yeah. are very short for YouTube videos. They are made specifically for an Instagram audience. You know, if you're scrolling on Instagram, you're not going to watch a 15 minute video. I try to give you the news quickly, give you my opinion on it. And I, I'm trying to appeal to the person that's trying to get into major league soccer. Cause that's how I kind of got into it. No, exactly. I, I got into it in very little bursts, right? Like I wasn't one of these people who grew up, I, I made fun of soccer. I didn't care about soccer. That's kind of how I got into it, right? And then as things went on a few World Cups later, me getting excited about it, I feel like I kind of took that stereotypical route with it. FIFA always always helps oh, the easy. soccer fan. And, you know, I, that's how I got into it. Like I would say 2014, 2015 is when I like invested heavy into major league soccer and you know i just like i fell in love with it ever since you know like i have friends who are soccer fans you know we want to call them euro snobs they they make fun of me all the time for the uh for the mls love that i give but i you know i always like to to now give credit where credit's due to these u.s men's national team stars coming out of mls academies and such and mm -hmm. then you know they pay attention a little bit more but i guess right now what's your like what right now in U.S. soccer, may it be MLS, the national team, the women's national team, USL, really kind of has your focus right now? Always MLS. I I hate to be that guy because everyone's yeah. always like country over club. I don't have a specific club, but if we're I, – I focus more on the club game than the national game. Mm -hmm. I know that's maybe the less popular side, but it's a side that I want to be a part of in terms of the growth. You know, and I think they all go hand to hand. I think when MLS is doing well and doing better and growing, the U.S. men's national team is going to do better because yes. look at the players that we've been selling to Europe for these bigger and bigger prices. I mean, they're just going to benefit the national team. And it's the, the direction MLS should be going. I was never that big of a fan of, and it works for some clubs, but not all of the clubs taking young talent from South America bringing it to the league and then trying to sell it again. That's a less effective way of selling young talent than just raising them yourselves. And that's something yeah. I've wanted MLS to really focus on. Cause over the last five or so years, we've seen less and less Americans making the rosters and yeah. the starting 11s, but the past maybe one or two years, we're starting to see way more Americans get sold than the young South Americans that are getting brought into the league to eventually be sold. I mean, Diego Rossi has been in the league for three seasons now and he hasn't been sold yet. I mean, that's kind of a bust to me in a way. Yeah, he's a great player, but I feel like the point of bringing him in was to sell him quickly. Barco is a huge um, yes. example for me where it's like, what is he even doing? He hasn't even broken out yet for Atlanta and he's on year four now. Four or five. Yeah. It's, it's insane to me, right? Like Diego Rossi is a perfect example of a guy who, I love, like, I think he's absolutely mm -hmm. fantastic, arguably, you know, top three player within this league, won the golden boot last year. He's a guy who LAFC clearly brought in to, to sell sooner rather than later, and he's still hanging around. So in many people's minds, and like you just said, is it a bust of a, of a move? You haven't even really, you haven't, you've won a supporter shield, but you haven't really won like a major trophy with the guy. So I don't know. There's a lot going on, but there is also a lot of talented American youngsters, like you said, and we saw a group of those talented American youngsters fail to qualify for the Olympics. Haven't been able to talk about it on the podcast yet, so I'll definitely give some thoughts here, but I'm going to save some for the podcast, but I want to hear your thoughts. 
we failed to qualify for the third straight Olympic cycle. Tough. It hurts. A lot of MLS guys on this roster, a lot of guys that I'm a huge fan of and have potential European futures. Um, I guess initial thoughts after that loss the other night. I feel bad. Uh, I feel worse for the players themselves than for the program as a whole, because in terms of the program, this is something that should have not happened at all. And this is something that the program should have much better prepared for in general. And it's the stigma around U.S. soccer, the arrogance that has prevented the U.S. from fulfilling their potential, whether it's with the youth squads or the senior squad. Um, it's that sense of entitlement. Um, which just sucks. I guess it's an American identity. I don't know. I'm not trying to trash talk the beautiful country <laughs> we live in, but I feel bad for the players because the Olympics, while no one really cares about the Olympics, it's a great way for them to showcase who they are for a much larger audience. And also just three, I hate to plug my show, but three uh -huh. of my first four guests on my show were on that roster. And they talked to me about how much being on the Olympic squad would have meant to them and representing Team USA in the Olympics would have been huge. Everyone wants to be part of, uh, part of that ceremony where you walk in the flags and you just see all the athletes of every country march in. Like exactly. It's those moments that these players aren't going to get a chance to be a part of. And, you know, it also just worsens their chances of making it onto the senior squad as a whole, because the senior squad right now, I'm very optimistic about, and I'm yes. very excited about, and I'd rather talk about them than <laughs> these U23s. Um, but, you know, they, they, they show that, you know, they're not ready to help a team advance to a next stage of a tournament. So it's going to be hard for a lot of these guys to make it to that senior squad. And I agree with you that talking about the senior squad, way more of an optimistic conversation, especially after the last two games. Um, but it is like also the true fact that these guys were potentially going to be the final kind of roster shaping players for for the, the senior squad coming into the 2022 World Cup, 2026 World Cup, et cetera, et cetera. And we're going to need a deep roster pool when it comes to this upcoming year because of every tour every single tournament we have going on and i think for kind of in agreeing with you my mind goes to the player first and in the past my mind hasn't always gone to the player first my mind usually goes to the angry stereotypical american fan we suck why don't we do better whatever but after i've been able to kind of interview some players and talk to some players and get more of that mindset it really does suck. I was talking to one potential U23 guy who wasn't there in that camp, but would have been there if the if the team made the Olympics, pretty much what he told me. And he was like, I wish I was there to be able to kind of give that extra juice, give that ex extra energy to, to potentially give us that win. And he was like, it's, it, it's killing me thinking about it right now, thinking about those dudes in that locker room. And I was just like, man, like, that has to just be so painful. That has to hurt so much coming from like a peer looking at these guys and we're like fans that don't even, you know, know these guys at the end of the day and it sucks. Um, but I guess what positives did you take out of this tournament? We did have a lot of players play well. I think a lot of players did up their um, triple G stock that I like to call mm -hmm. it. There's a lot of guys who did, right? There's a lot of guys who I think even potentially maybe secured themselves a European move in some kind of way. I'm not going to say just based off this tournament, but it helped. Who really did impress you from this tournament? Aside from that last game and a real emphasis on that, 
David Ochoa, I thought he proved to be a very decent goalkeeping option and he should be the starter for Real Salt Lake. We could ignore that last game and I don't yeah. even want to mention what happened there. Yeah. Uh, Sam Vines is a player who I think he's already a lock to make the senior squad um, as a backup left back maybe. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he will go to Europe and then whether it's summer or in the fall. And I'm very excited to see where he goes. And then one guy that I think really solidified himself as a USMNT player, Jackson Ewell, a guy yes. who I believe has been slept on heavily by not really MLS fans, but USMNT fans, because there's a stigma that a player that's playing in MLS is just not as good as the players in Europe. But Jackson Ewell is a perfect fit for what Greg Berhalter likes to do. And I think he has solidified himself as a backup to Tyler Adams. I think he'll be the second option at the sixth position. I think that there's a, a stigma around, yes, players playing in MLS. And I think that MLS fans have, at least the majority that I talk to, have a stigma around players that play on San Jose. Maybe it's the specific Almeida style. Maybe it's just San Jose's recent lack of success in, in any type of really competition. But Jackson Ewell definitely is a guy who I think is in competition for Tyler Adams' backup. I think Kellen Acosta has shown some very Mm -hmm. solid performances at the six. Again, another MLS dude, a guy who I'm a huge fan of. So Jackson Ewell is definitely getting a name for himself. I think Hassani Dotson. Oh, Hassani Dotson. I forgot about him. You know, not that outside of that brace, right? Hassani Dotson, at the end of the day, scoring goals isn't the only thing that shows you had a good performance. Mm -hmm. But Hassani Dotson was a leader on that field through – all of those games from Mexico to, to the Dominican Republic, whatever it may be. So some of these guys I really do enjoy. Some of these guys I wish they got a full chance to really kind of play in a major competition, this potentially being the only major competition that are internationally they're ever going to have in their career, which which sucks. But, you know, some guys we just got to say bye to. But I guess to to round out the this Olympic failure, um, how are you feeling right now about the, the, I guess, the youth system? How are you feeling right now about Jason Christ As an NYCFC fan, I've never been super high on Jason Christ. So I guess, uh, how are you feeling about that overall? Well, he's got to go. I mean, there's, there's no, like, there's no coming back from this if you're Jason Christ And, like, I hate to be so cynical, but, like, his coaching career is effectively over. He's failed in MLS multiple times. He's now failed. I mean, he I think he... Did he win as a player or win as a coach in MLS? He won as a coach with RSL. Yeah, but they had Nick Romando, so. Yeah, <laughs> that's valid. it. Um, but, you know, with the expansion teams that he's been on in the past year, few years, it's just, I feel like his time is kind of done. Maybe he was there as, like, a favor, but uh, I've never rated him either. I don't think he's brought anything special to the game. Um, he's an MLS legend, which is great. Um but in terms of the youth as a whole, I'm not worried. I I know that's very unpopular, but the mm-hmm. fact is, like, say what you want. It was the D squad out there. It was the C squad out there of our best U23 players. If we put our best U23 players against the best U23 players across the world, I don't think you can name many countries that have a better squad than we do. Yeah. No, I mean... It, it, that's exactly the fact, right? If we made the Olympics, there was those rumors and those reports that Christian Pulisic said he potentially wanted to play for the Olympic squad. That's insane that a dude of Christian Pulisic's, you know, capabilities is still at the U23 level, technically, right? He's obviously is playing levels above that, but age-wise, yes. So 
let's kind of steer away from that. Um, I know you said you you were positive about the full senior team. Anything super quick on Jamaica or Northern Ireland that you really liked? Any players you really liked in the more specific outside of, I think, Serginio Dest taking the cake? You want my hot take? Yeah, let's hear it. Alexi Lawless, man. Talking about how there are no USMNT strikers that pose the presence that Josie Altidore does. Mance has never seen Daryl DK play. <laughs> Errol DK to me, sure he did not score in that Northern Ireland match. He proved to me that he should be the number one striker for the USMNT over Josh Sargent. I know that is a very burning take. Might be a freezing mm -hmm. cold take. But if you want to talk about presence in a box, Daryl DK is Josie Outdoor on steroids. And the fact is he was able to create for himself, which is something the U.S. has been lacking for years now. There's We've been lacking chances in the box, and Daryl DK does that himself. I love Josh Sargent, but he's way too passive of a striker for the USMNT. Sure, he makes the other wingers better, and it's great when we have great wingers in Pulisic and Reyna. But Daryl DK be, being able to do it for himself and to put shots on target, that's what we need right now. And I know for a fact the next game that he plays for the men's national team, he will score. Okay, I, I'm going to hold you to that part. I saw your video. Um, I don't remember who you were talking to, and I apologize, but I saw your video talking about Josie Altador. That, that's, my, that's my guy. That's my I'm man. Fine. I like I'm, Josie. I'm still a Josie defender, uh, I guess, to, to an extent. My mindset, and I talked about it a little bit with Taylor Rockwell last week. There is no striker that has above and beyond taken the reins of the U.S. men's national team striker striker hold that has upended Josie Altador. I think the only argument someone could give me is Giassi's artist. Only argument. <laughs> Do I think that by we're talking end of summer, by we're talking June, Daryl DK is a very strong possibility to have ripped it away from Josie and he's just running? I think 100%. But I think as of right now, talking at the end of March, it's still anyone's game. We still have those We still have those conversations, right? So still, and, and, until we can have Daryl DK scoring 30 goals in the championship and the dudes being bought by, by Man United, I still think it's Josie out the door spot until someone can someone can take it, if that makes sense. There we go. Yeah, man. <laughs> no, but um, no, no, no. And I... I, I I, this is nothing against Josie Altidore at all because yeah. I appreciate what he's brought to the game, but I'm so over the 2018 squad. And no, I have I a lot it. of PTSD from that. And I want to get as far away from that as possible, like many USMNT fans. I get it. Like, you need the veteran presence, but you have that in the back line. You got John Brooks. That's great. I think just like continuing with the youth movement, raise them together like little cubs and then set them free. That's just the goal. And I think, and I'm not saying that Daryl DK is already better than Josie ever was, yes. but I'm willing to, you said maybe in August, I'm willing to bet right now that Daryl DK will be the guy in August and will be the guy in the future. Look, I think that if you tell me in June, July, August, whatever it may be, that we see Daryl DK, Josh Sargent, and... The third is, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stick with those two yeah. as being the guys who have run away with the striker competition. I would believe you in a heartbeat. 
it's just I'm not, I guess, that quick to give up on Josie Altidore. I don't. Maybe it's me not wanting to give up on Josie Altidore either. Um, obviously, I'm a I'm a few years older than you, so I I can. I just like Josie Altador was my dude growing up, right? Like my dude getting into it. So I guess like maybe that's also part of it as well. But I don't know. I, I love Josie. I, I will forever stand for Josie and take all the heat every single time I, I make a tweet about that. But um, I, I think overall, in a U.S. men's national team standpoint, we're in a, we're in a very good spot where we're talking about a depth at striker that is seven deep, a depth of midfield that is like 10 deep, right? Like it, it's right insane. <laughs> right, right, right back. We are loaded. Left back, we still got two, but it's fine. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, so I guess let's, let's transition away from the international game. More focus on, you know, what, what you like to talk about, right? Major League Soccer. This offseason has been insane. This offseason has... Ha- it's just been in, like, and I feel like maybe an even amped up MLS offseason for me just because last year was so crazy. It might just be a normal MLS offseason, but in my brain, I'm hyping it up. What has been your one of your favorite moves that, that an MLS team has made this offseason? I'm going to try not to be all basic and be like, oh, Brenner's the biggest move. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was the biggest move. I get that. Yes. Atlanta had the best offseason. They're going to be elite again. Cool. We mm-hmm. get that. We yes. can cross that out. First of all, I've been loving the Portland Timbers since the MLS's back tournament, and they got better this offseason in the positions they needed to, the right back and left back, getting not the Chilean goalkeeper, Claudio Bravo, but the legend Argentine right back or left back, Claudio Bravo, who's 23 years old. Sure, he's more of an attacking player, but that attack is going to be dangerous. I already thought that Portland had the best front six in MLS when healthy with Sebastian Blanco. Mm -hmm. And adding him and Van Rankin at the fullback positions, I, I, I have them as the best team in the West right now for sure. Then there's some moves that I think have not been made yet but are close to happening that I think would be the biggest. Uh, Ramon Abila, who is a yes. Boca Junior striker who is linked with Minnesota. He could be going to Minnesota very soon. I think the fact that Minnesota doesn't have a striker right now is what's keeping them from truly being an MLS elite team. But getting Abila instantly puts them in that contender category for me for the MLS Cup, adding um, Abila to Emmanuel Reynoso, another Boca Junior guy, that link is going to be insane and so fun to watch. And then I got an underrated signing for you. Let me hear it. And this is the the most random one I'm going to probably talk about over my lifetime. Okay. And I'm going to talk about your bitter rivals here. That's fine. I'm waiting for it. They've been good. They've been good this offseason. Because they, they've had to make changes and none other or no other change has intrigued me more than Fabio Roberto Gomez Neto. I, man, I, I remember okay. the move. This man is 23 years old. He is six foot four and he is great with his feet. When do you see that? This man scores from everywhere. Sure, he's only played on some like league two sides like he was in the second league in brazil but he was just dominating there he was in japan for a little bit but this man knows how to score goals and you add him with Caden clark a player who i think will have a breakout season he's got to if he's gonna actually make that move to leipzig and put himself in the national team conversation i am really liking this i like barlow and white whatever but fabio is very intriguing to me and he's definitely the signing i'm most looking towards you know i want to see what happens 
and it could be a big hit or it could be a big miss, but I think there's a lot of potential there and he fits exactly what the Red Bulls want to do because he is a holdup striker, which is very excellent because the Red Bull wingers, guys like Danny Royer and Florian Velo, like they need a holdup striker because they love to push up and get into the box themselves. So adding Fabio right there is perfect for them. I like that move. And that's one that like, you know, I don't think anyone's ever going to go super heavy into. And I love that you just did because I think when things come around the middle of the season and we need to have a lot of roster rotation this MLS season and a lot of guys are going to be used. He could be a guy that just absolutely sneaks up and maybe has six goals at the end of the season and like a bunch of assists because he's just playing off, playing off balls to Danny Royer, to Caden Clark, to Fabian Velo, whoever else is going to be running. And I, I love that. I, I absolutely love that. And to go off your Minnesota United take, Minnesota United is, like you said, a striker away of being up there with the Timbers and LAFC for that Western Conference top spot. Minnesota United is a very good team. Losing Kevin Molino sucks. It hurts. But they have a lot of talent there. A striker would just seal the deal. Yes, they have Swagadello. I'm a big, big Juan guy. But let's get a striker up there in Minnesota. I have a move and I guess more an overall team I want to talk about. And I butcher his name every single time I try to say it. Arnor Ingvi Trausten, the the um, Iceland international yes. for, for New England. I think New England might have the best. You said the Timbers. I think New England might have the best attack in Major League Soccer with this dude on the wing. Give me Bo. Give me Heel. Give me uh, Busca. Give me all of them. I think New England is so good heading into 2021. It's so funny because I was expecting you to ask me who I saw would be in the MLS Cup, and I was literally <laughs> about to tell you Portland, New England. That's, I love that. I am so high on New England. The reason why I don't say Columbus Crews, I feel like they're too good to make a back-to-back run. That just is a curse in MLS sometimes. You know, Some teams just look so good that they just won't go back-to-back, even though I'd probably take their bench over most starting 11s in the league. But yeah. the New England Revolution attack, we saw in the playoffs when Carl's Heel and Gustavo Bo are on their game, the Revs are practically unbeatable. With yeah. the supporting cast they have as well, the back line of super draftees that have just dominated. I love the Revs so much. And like I even put on a post the other week, I think Matt Turner is the best goalkeeper in the league. Sorry, Andre Blake. You won the goalkeeper of the year because of the narrative of winning the supporter shield. Matt Turner was the best goalkeeper in MLS last year season he will be this season and he is number two on the usmnt depth chart i don't care about ethan horvath it is matt turner so i matt turner is a big part of this if matt turner stays throughout the summer i think the revs move to they have a very good shot at moving to mls cup i'm not going to i don't like to play in in definites anymore i've gotten burned plenty of times playing in definites but Matt Turner definitely has a possibility of being sold to, to a European club come this summer. And I, I think, think that is 100% deserves it. But in an MLS perspective, and a New England Revolution perspective, scary for, for Revs fans because your dude could be gone. And I don't know, I off the top of my head, I cannot think who the Revs backup goalkeeper is, but not as good as Matt Turner. Whoever, whoever it is, I'm sorry. I like you probably, but you're not as good as Matt Turner. I think it's Brad Knighton. Uh, who's just been yes. there since the beginning of time. He's but, been there uh, since 1996, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> Caroline really and, proved that. But, uh. 
We have a lot of FC Cincinnati supporters who follow us on Twitter, who who watch this show, who listen to this show. FC Cincinnati supporters are some of the most ruthless fans in Major League Soccer for back-to-back uh, wooden spoon winners. The Lucho Acosta move, the Brenner move that you mentioned earlier, obviously they're, they're sexy moves. They're big names. We know Lucho. Brenner coming in with the clubs that apparently Cincinnati – one out over, right? I'm not getting into that whole thing, but did and then did they make enough moves to you to get out of wooden spoon contention? Or and I'm not even saying playoffs. I'm just saying getting out of being around the conversation of wooden spoon. Well, apparently they have two signings on the way. I read that today. Yes. yes. And if they are not defenders, I will probably delete my page. <laughs> Cause this team's attack looking sexy. You know, the fact that Locadia is like, you know what, Brenner, you play striker. I'm going to play on the wing. You know, yeah. I'm excited about that. That looks great. Locadia's got a lot to prove this season, anyways. He does. But they got Nick Haglin starting at center back. Vanderwerf is starting at center back. Can you name? They got Ronald Matarita. I mean, playoff choker, whatever. We could, we can move whoa, on. Whoa, whoa. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to roast him a little bit. <laughs> but then, like, right now, when you look at their, like, depth chart, Joe Zhao is the right back, a guy who's never played defense in his life. Saad Abdul Salam, you know, the man who is, I mean, we don't need to talk about penalty kicks and Saad Abdul Salam. No. But um, I, the back line is just so garbage, and it's unfortunate because – they can't. They don't have the attacking talent like LAFC did when they were scoring a bunch of goals, but also conceding a lot of goals. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's just not as good. And I'm still very worried about Cincy. I really don't think they'll be wooden spoon guys anymore. I think there are other teams that can do that or be that bad. But <sighs> they haven't done enough yet to make the playoffs. I'd say that for sure. Yeah, no matter how good winner is. I'm with you on that. Um, I have a guy who is a former MLS goalkeeper. He's still currently an, uh, an active player. Former MLS goalkeeper who had a nice little preseason game against FC Cincinnati. And he's told me right away, he said, Tom, Brenner's the real deal. This dude is absolutely a stud. He was like, yes, he's going up against two 16-year-old USL Academy products at center back. But he was like, this guy, you can just tell the way he kind of just like moves around the field that this guy's the real deal and just be on the lookout for him next season. So I will definitely throw that one in there. That is great. However, sometimes a player is only as good as the players around him. And no matter how talented Brenner is, if the players around him aren't giving him the proper balls, oh, pause, giving him the proper (laughs) passes and feeding him correctly... He's not going to be as effective, even if the talent is there and he is the real deal. And that would unfortunately alter his career. And that kind of worries me for him because, you know, apparently Arsenal wanted him or some some crap like that. Uh, We can go Arsenal, PSG, Juve. You want to just name all the clubs, right? (laughs) But FC Cincinnati. Yeah, <laughs> which is a dub in itself. My favorite jersey I own is actually the inaugural season FC Cincinnati kit. It's a funny mm. story. Mm. Um, it's a Kenny Seth kit. Okay, <laughs> that arrived 
the day before his contract was terminated with them, and I was very bummed about that. But it, I rock it all the time. It's a great one. But that's that's just awesome. like that, that's one that you should just like frame and have that up and be like, yes, that's that's gold. That's my most. You know, I go to Syracuse. We wear orange, and we got a little blue in there too. So, like, it's probably my most worn jersey. Yeah. Okay. I mean, look, whatever, whatever matches, whatever works. I have two more teams I kind of quickly want to touch on because they've been a little bit recent in the news, and I think they have interesting talking points. Inter Miami, Kieran Gibbs, uh, Kelvin Leardom, Ryan Shawcross, Jovan Jones. Pretty much, they're collecting all of Bex's old buddies from the Premier League and. Ex Seattle Sounders players. Is this the uh, is this the formula for a winning team in Major League Soccer? If we're in two thousand nine, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean that's when Bex was doing his thing, right? So maybe he's like, "This is how you win," right? I know. I made this analogy in one of my Inner Miami videos when I talked about the mess of Inner Miami, and I said David Beckham bringing in Phil Neville to coach and Ryan Shawcross into the mess that is in Miami is like when Adam Sandler brings David Spade and Rob <laughs> Schneider into literally any of his garbage movies. I love Adam Sandler films, but like they're hot garbage. It is what it is. But that's what this reminds me of. It's just like helping your, your poorer friend get, get a job. And I, I have serious doubts about this inner Miami squad. If you mm-hmm. think you're elite, you're probably wrong. The only <laughs> thing that would make them elite is obviously my Lord and savior, Breck Shea. Yes. Of who, course. I mean, it's Breck Shea. He's the goat. Shea. And I, yeah. I even have a song. I have a remix song called Breck Shea is the goat. And I'm going to spoil something for you, by the way. Okay. So I'm doing an April fool's prank on Thursday. And I'm okay. doing one of those, like I'm leaving Instagram forever videos. But gotcha. then it's actually going to be a music video for my Breck Shea remix. So stay yes. tuned for that. I, I am very <laughs> excited for that now. I am a big Breck Shea guy. Breck is, I think, the legend of U.S. soccer. Definitely all hell Breck Shea. Um, one guy who, who fans of this specific team may not be all hailing is Mark Dos Santos and the Vancouver Whitecaps. Interesting offseason. Kyle Alexandre, right? Bruno Gaspar. Yeah. Some of the big moves coming in for, for Vancouver. Don't want to talk specifically about the moves. If Unless you have take opinions on the moves, please give it to me. Is this a make-or-break year for Mark Dos Santos as a guy who was supposed to kind of come in, take the reins, and, and revamp this entire Whitecaps squad a few years ago? Okay, so I do want to touch on Bruno Gaspar real yes. quick because it's very funny to me how, like, the Vancouver Whitecaps have invested the most money in their fullbacks. Ali Anon and Bruno Gasper, probably the sexiest looking fullback pairing in the league. But the fact that those are your centerpieces is a little, little sus to me. Alfonso Davies FC, baby. Come on. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to do. And you know what? Shout out to them. But overall, I mean, you just look at this roster on paper and you can't really, maybe if Mark Dos Santos is making all the decisions, then you blame it on him. But if I had that roster, I wouldn't make it a playoff team. I, there's no shot. They're they're more of a wooden spoon contender for me. And they're lacking a serious number 10. Obviously, I want to go to my boy Ryan Raposo, Syracuse legend, and put him at the number 10, which he was in college. But they need a, they need their Lucas Ryan. They need, yeah. they need their Emmanuel Reynoso. They need their Nico Ladero for them to actually do something in the West. Lucas Cavallini, he can't do it. Like I mentioned with Brenner, 
he's a great player. And I, I wouldn't call him a bust yet in MLS because he hasn't had the proper players around him to help him be a better player. And that's why he struggled last year. And that's what just worries me about the Whitecaps in general. I don't think their focus is in the right area. And clearly their focus is on fullbacks right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I completely agree with you. I, I really just... The Whitecaps are such an interesting team to me because it's also not so long ago that they were finishing top of the West, you know, like, which is absolutely crazy because if you're just getting into Major League Soccer now, you see the Whitecaps, you think of the Whitecaps, you're like, huh. but this is going to be a big year for the Whitecaps. I have a feeling they're going to be in some conversation in some piece, whether it be Mark Dos Santos is gone, they're trashed, or wow, some of these young guys are actually producing and that's see a maybe kind of late push for the playoffs but i don't know i like dos santos i kind of like the bob bradley you know offspring going and taking over his own reign but i don't know i, I don't think it's going to be a, a pretty ending for for dos santos in vancouver i will Eli, say though yes. oh wait uh no, mike Baldismo, i i mean he should have a breakout year he started a breakout at the end of yes. last season and this year he'll be better maybe he'll be the next canadian uh guy to go to europe so. I mean, I I think Vancouver, you know, at the end of the day, they they did what they did with Alfonso. And, I mean, you got to give them credit. Maybe they can pull out another one. But, um, Eli, I want to thank you for coming on, talking a little MLS, talking a little U.S. men's national team. Um, I guess everyone who's probably watching this or is going to watch this in the future knows about you. But throw out the social medias, throw out anything exciting you want to talk about. Uh, this week in MLS on Instagram. Now this week in MLS on Twitter. I changed yes. it back to that. Um, uh, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'm really trying to grow my show. Uh, it, it, my show isn't what it's going to be yet because we're not in season. But I have a mm -hmm. lot of fun segments that I'll be doing every week throughout the season. You will not want to miss that. And uh, to all my fellow Jewish people out there, happy Passover. To all yes. my Christian brothers, happy Easter. And uh, anytime you want me to come on, I'm available. I love talking MLS with anyone and anywhere, anything, whatever it is. So thank you so much for having me. And make sure you check out the MLS Aces podcast. I mean, if you're <laughs> watching this right now, you probably already are. But you know what I mean. It's okay. I'm clipping that shit. It's going to be up there. Don't worry. It's all good. <laughs> Eli, thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Bye.